Father, we just uh, want to thank you for this morning. Um, thank you that um, your son resurrected from the dead. And because of that, Lord, we have all the reason to live and to have hope for the future. It's not about the present, Lord. Not all about the present, but really more about what we do now that will affect our future. And it's so assuring to know that your son, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead, overcame death and sin so that we might live. Father, this morning I pray that you open the eyes of our heart as we have sung, that we may know you deeper indeed, O God, and that we will really, really, Lord, declare you as our almighty Father, our Jesus, the love of our lives. And Father, I pray that um, we will really begin to see our real situation in our present day so that we will be able to do something relevant, something different, something that will stand out, O oh God, to make an impact in the world out there. Lord, be our teacher this morning. I cannot handle this. It's a difficult topic all the more. Anything involving your word, Lord, is just beyond us. And we pray that your spirit will be the one to impress upon us, Lord, what you want us to learn and what you want us to do for the rest of our lives. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, our God, our Lord, and our Redeemer. Thank you, Lord. Honor this day for you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, you know, I, I second the motion. Thank you. <laughs> I second the motion of Nate to really pray for our young people. Because, you know, praise God, the young people in this group are really growing, right? Give God a, you know, give God a big hand for that. You know, I really would like to see this church becoming younger and younger. Seriously. And, you know, the reason for that is because where are the young people? We value you, really. You know, um, sometimes in our messages, we tend to ignore you, no? Because, but that's not the intention. The intention is really for you to realize the problems of today. Because if you don't see the problems of today, you will be like the rest of the young people out there who just move on and forget about their faith. It's an issue that we all have to be aware of. And really, I encourage you parents, to give us an idea of uh, how you want us to improve in um, really coming up with programs to really equip our young people. Is that okay? If you have an issue, for example, that you want to raise that will impact our young people, come to us, let us know, and gladly we will address it because young people, including my daughter, where's my daughter? There you are, okay? You are our priority, all right? That's clear. Now, how do I press this? Oh, there you go. <clears throat> uh, there, was this, there was this man. He was in a, in a hot air balloon. And, you know, he realized that he was lost. So he, he reduced his altitude and saw a woman down. And he asked for help. And he said, excuse me, can you help me? You know, I promised a friend that I'll see him in about an hour, but I, 
I, I, I think I am lost and I don't know where I am. So he was shouting at the woman below. And the woman below replied, You're in a hot air balloon hovering about 30 feet above the ground. You're actually between 40 and 41 um, degrees north latitude. And you are about 59 and 60 degrees west longitude. Wow. Right? And uh, the, the man on the balloon said, you must be an engineer. And the woman said, yes, I am. How did you know? And the woman said, the man said, sorry. Everything you told me technically is correct, but I have no idea what to make of your information, the man said. The fact is, I'm still lost. Okay, that's what the man is saying. Frankly, you have not been much help at all. Oops, what did I do? This is not my laptop. No, wala. Uh, help me. Okay, so what? Yeah, I know, but I, I need to go scramble down. Okay, sorry about that. Okay. Um, what did I say? Okay. Um, you told me everything technical, Rick, but I have no idea to make of your information, and the fact is I'm still lost. Frankly, you've been not much help to me. If anything, you've delayed my trip, and you're wasting my time. And the woman said, you must be in management. Oh, okay. And um, the man said, yes, I am. How did you know? Well, number one, you don't know where you are and where you're going. Okay. You have risen to where you are because of hot air. Okay. Wow. And you've made a promise that you cannot even keep to your friend. That's why you're in management. You expect people to uh, meet your expectations, but you don't. And, you know, for the past 10 minutes, you've been there in the same place, and you're blaming other people for that. And that's management. This morning, I have a very difficult topic, and I just started with some humor to just set it up. And my topic for this morning is, it's not moving. There. Um, I, I was planning to use my computer, so, but you know, they said that, you know, put it here. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Very management, okay. Uh, I'd like to talk about this topic, Christian, beware. Are you the problem or are you the solution? Like I said, this is heavy, but I really would like to address this this morning because church we are facing a situation today which is so serious, right before our noses, so to speak. 
And we need to address this because if we don't, it will affect us as believers as we continue to face this world. And more importantly, all of these young people that we have today. If we're not careful, we might lose all of them. You know, I remember what Pastor Peter said when we had a family retreat uh, last year. You know, he said, guys, Christianity is one generation away from extinction. Did you hear me? Christianity is one generation away from extinction. And I praise God for this church because we're addressing the next generation. If this next generation will know the situation, I'm looking at the leaders, Sean, Monica, Nate, she's even playing with this uh, iPad right now. They're not listening to me, okay? So, okay, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, okay? If, if you guys, okay, will just realize what you are facing, you'll become more effective in doing something about Christianity altogether. Why am I saying that? You know, um, before that, let's take a look at the scriptures that we're supposed to, that's supposed to guide us tonight, uh, today. Let's all stand up, please, and let's read scriptures. Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 11. Let's read this together. Finally, Ephesians 5, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then, Proverbs 19:18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The same verse in the message, if people can see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Please be seated. Last week was Resurrection Sunday, and uh, Pastor Insong uh, said, when this phrase is stated, what do you say? He is risen. You forgot the message, huh? He is risen. Yeah, you know, our, our Lord Jesus Christ is risen indeed. And there is power in the resurrection. We have victory over sin and death. And we Christians have such supernatural power to allow us to be victorious in this Christian life. Say amen. amen. So let me, let me ask you this question, and, and I want to hear a concurrence. He is risen. With the power of the resurrection behind us and for us, we can overcome any challenge to be really victorious, right? The young people, do you believe this? Yes, right? You can, you know, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You know, what else can be more powerful than raising someone from the dead? If he raised you from the, if he raised people from the dead and he raised himself from the dead, then this assumption or this statement can be Reliable, isn't it? Amen? Amen? What about this? With the power of the resurrection behind Christianity, it can overcome any challenge from the world to be victorious, right? 
um, it's so unconvincingly right. Do you believe that with the power of the resurrection, Christianity can overcome any challenge from the world to be victorious? Can you say that with conviction, please? <laughs> you know, I think that indicates that we really are not sure. Because the matter of fact is, you know, um, we believe that Christianity must be thriving as a result of the resurrection power behind the Christians. Because of the resurrection. We believe that with all of our heart. But unfortunately, that's wrong. Did you hear me? It's wrong. Christianity should be so powerful this day, but I, 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 just, can't, I just can't help but say it's wrong. Why? I'm not saying this out of just my own conviction or feeling because I want us to feel bad about what we believe in, but because these are facts that we want you to be aware of, especially the young people. Young people, this is for you. This is for you. Consider these facts. Because if you understand that these facts are about you and it's involving you, man, you better, you better, you better look for something that you can hang on to because it's going to eliminate us from this face of the earth. Look at the following and you be the judge. Let's come up with some conclusions and some imperatives about our faith and practice. Okay? You be the judge. I'm going to show you facts. For example, this is not about you young people, but this is about your parents. The divorce rates in America today. Hello, young people who are married. I'm looking at you. There you go. There you are. Uh, some more. Some more people, young people. Uh, this is for you. Divorce rates in America. I'm just going to show you the numbers, okay? And... All born-again Christians says it's 32%. Meaning, all born-again Christians, those who consider themselves born-again Christians, the divorce rate today is 32%. Right? Born-again Christians na yan, Right? But I want you to take a look at astonishing fact. The divorce rates among agnostics, those who don't even believe in God, is 30%. And that's even lower than the born-again Christians, which is 32%. Uh, I'm not, by the way, inventing these figures. These are done by Barna Research Group, um, um, a research organization for Christian trending. And just take a look at all of those numbers. The numbers indicate that the divorce rate between believers and unbelievers are no different. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's no different. That's the divorce rate. And then recent key findings and stats on religious faith here in America. 28% or one in three of American adults have left the Christian faith in which they were raised in favor of another religion or no religion at all. You understand what I'm saying? If you were born a Christian several years ago, okay, one out of three, 33%, or almost 30%, one out of three of you will live the faith that you started with. Why, you ask? I don't know. These are just facts. The number of people who are not affiliated with any particular faith today, 16%, is more than double the number who say they were not affiliated with any particular faith as children. 
You understand what I'm saying? When you were younger, you believe in this. But when you get older, the faith is no longer there. So uh, I'm looking at the young people today. The people who are saying this were young before. And you are young now. The trend indicates that if you continue, even in this church, right? When it comes to the future, because of what you are facing, almost a third of you will live what you believe in. That's what it says. Among, among Americans, young adults, 18 to 29, age 25, I'm sorry, 18 to 29, 25%, one in four, say that they are no longer affiliated with any religion or faith. These are facts. New research has found that the number of Americans who claim to have no religious affiliation is the highest it has ever been since the data on the subject started being collected in the 30s. In other words, it just keeps on increasing. The number of people who are saying, enough of religion, enough of faith, I don't want to be part of anything anymore. Right? And I'm so glad that we are still part of the faith. I'm so glad that we are CCF and we're being grounded and we're growing. But I, I need to point this out to you. When I say, when I show all of these things, it's not really for us to feel bad because it's about you. No, it's for us to be aware of what's going on out there. It's for you young people to know that you are facing a world of challenge when it comes to your faith and your religion. And that's why when we, when we talk about having a summer camp and having an activity for you, I'm for it. More than that, we want you to be aware that there is something so good about what we believe in. But the problem is the world out there thinks otherwise. How come they're leaving the faith? How come they're not staying is the question. The number of people who do not consider themselves part of an organized religion has jumped dramatically in the recent years. Now, back in the 1930s and 1940s, the number of nuns, those who said they were religiously unaffiliated, hovered around 5%. But since then, the number of people who don't consider themselves part of a religion has increased to 20%. That's really bad and that's really shocking as far as I'm concerned. Now, this is even bad. Even one of the leading evangelical denominations are blending in and compromising. You know, Lutherans offer warm welcome to gay pastors. Can you believe that? This is, this is an ordination of eight gay pastors, okay? Laying of hands, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America on Sunday welcomed its fold, sorry, seven openly gay pastors who had until recently been barred from church ministry. Guys, what's going on? Uh, uh, look, we, we cannot isolate ourselves from all of these facts, yes or no? You know, we, you, we have to let you know, young people especially, that there is something going on out there that is affecting Christianity so adversely that we need to address it. We need to address it. Or these young people, when we're all dead and gone, will just be decimated and continue to decline. What can we conclude from this research data? I just showed you the facts, but I want you to conclude because I don't want you to, to, to tell me, na, Pastor Dan, that's your conclusion. That, that's what, I, don't, I don't see that happening, really. What's your conclusion based on the research data? Christianity is not at its best, is it? 
Feedback. Really, do you believe that? With all of those facts, more and more people are losing it. You know, I really believe that Christianity is dwindling. You know, I was, I was, I was talking to a church leader and asked him about the research, about this research, and I asked him, what do you think about what's happening to Christianity? I, I, and, I, and I said so, so, so carefully, I said, it's kind of dwindling, huh? No, Danny, he said, it's dying. What? That's a strong word. I said, no, no, no. Just take a look at the numbers and you will see. Christianity is not at its best. Christianity is, in fact, faltering. You agree? You know, your, 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 your reply is unsure. And I can understand your reply. I felt the same. Lord, is this really happening? Uh, Danny, those are facts. Those are research information. And if you don't, are not aware about it, it will just get you, and you'll pretty, pretty soon you're all by yourself. Christianity is losing its appeal, right? Christianity is losing its appeal. And I really said, I praise God for all of us who are still here. And in fact, CCF is one of the, the you know, church that's growing in Manila. It's one of the fastest growing. But you know, if you really take the big picture of everything, while CCF is 120,000 strong church in Manila, like I said, what is that compared to 100 million? What is that compared to more and more people who are now departing the faith? There is actually no net gain as far as Christianity is concerned. There is transfer. You know, as CCF becomes big, the small churches are dying because the members are transferring from that church to here. How many of you, as a matter of fact, came from one church and came to us? You know? And, and that's the trend. And young folks, I want you to be aware of what's happening to your parents, to your, to your, to your older uh, Christians. I want you to be aware that this is not a laughing matter. This is serious. We're losing our appeal. The increasing levels of post-Christians, you know what the post-Christian is? The post-Christian is, I used to believe in the Christian influence of the world today. Now I no longer believe that Christianity is the only influence in this world. That's a post-Christian. The post-Christians in various age levels are growing. Look at this. This is Barna research. Can you see it? Can you see it? Right there. So, the topmost, okay, the lower right corner is the elders. That's, uh, that's uh, myself. <laughs> okay. No, actually not, because born in 1945 and below. So that's not me yet, okay? The elders, there are 28% now who don't believe that Christianity is the, the, the most influential faith in the world. They used to believe, 100% of them, now 28% don't believe that. Look at the boomers. The boomers are me. Those of you who were born in 1945, 46, up to 1964, that's us. Among us, the boomers, the number is higher, it goes to 35%. Meaning 35% of the boomers are now post-Christians. Meaning they no longer believe on the influence of Christianity. Now, on the top, you have the Gen X and the Gen Y, right? The Gen X are those born in 1965 up to 1983. And... If you're a Gen Xers, 40% of you guys 
are post-Christians. That's what the research say. Now, if you're a millennial, meaning you're a Gen Y, 48% of you guys, half of you, okay, don't believe that Christianity makes sense at all. Wow. So, the, the other half of you guys, if you go to school, in your school, chances are half of those people no longer believe that Christianity has an influence in their lives. Wow, I don't know with you, but why all these negatives about Christianity, you think? You know, I remember my brother Butch telling me last Friday when we were having a D group, my daughter has a question. It's about gay people. Gay, man marrying man, woman, man marrying man. What's going on? Because these people no longer believe that the Christian faith makes sense. And they will do what they like. And it's all about man, and it's all about themselves. What's wrong? What is the problem, you think? Is Jesus Christ and God happy with what's going on, you think? George? I think he's, Jesus is very disappointed. He rose from the dead for crying out loud. He has all the power for crying out loud to make Christianity so brilliant and sparkling to attract other people, right? And yet, we have all of these realities happening all around us. You think Jesus is happy? And God is happy? On the contrary, I think he's disappointed. Right, Ding? He's disappointed about these realities. And I'm not making this up. These are realities. And if you're not aware of it, and you're just aware of it for the first time, I know how you feel. Is that really what's going on? Yeah, it is what's going on. And you can choose to ignore it, honestly, and move on. But do you think it will change its course? No. It will impact and it will run its course and affect what, who are being affected unless we take hold of it by the horn and do something about it. Or you might say, Wala naman tayo magagawa, pastor. Eh. Ano ba, sino ba naman tayo? Pabayaan na lang natin. We can have that attitude ourselves, honestly. Or you can, you can really feel the way Jesus feels today and hopefully be able to do something. Christianity has a big black eye and does not look good at all. Black eye. It doesn't look good at all. Now, definitely, Jesus cannot be the problem, right? Raise your hand if Jesus is the problem, meaning he's not doing his job, right? Uh, or, you know, guys, he raised from the dead. His power is available to us, to those of you who believe, to make the impossible become possible. Or is it our enemy? The, yeah, pastor, I think the problem is the devil, Okay. They're too powerful, okay, for us. You know, and, and they've been the one messing up our lives. Really, I think you should blame them. Really, you know, guys, that's what they've been doing from the very beginning. That's what they like to do. And they will always excel in, 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 in dividing us, in, in putting us astray. And the Bible is very clear. Our enemies are the world forces of darkness against spiritual forces of wickedness. 
in the heavenly places. We cannot blame them because that's their job. Their job is to destroy us, right? There's no one else to point to, guys, except the Christian. You agree? We are the problem. And when I say we, I'm not talking about CCF here. No, not us. I think we have been doing a wonderful job in growing and becoming the kind of Christians we have been. But guys, I want you to see that there are many out there who profess to be Christians and are not making an impact. And I would like you to see that we need your help to make those people realize what the real problem is. And the real problem is what? The Christian involving the total Christianity altogether in general. Please say amen so that I can go on with this message. Because if you don't, I know you are not going to listen anymore because you think that this guy is just making us feel bad today. Right? You know, I've had enough of feel-good messages. I know it's about Christ. But, hey, Christ rose from the dead. What else do we need? What else do we need? All we need to be is to be the kind of Christians that we ought to be because we are the problems. We Christians no longer look like we are what we are supposed to look like. I will repeat. We Christians no longer look like what we are supposed to look like. Like Christ. You know, if we can only look like Christ, I think there will not be any black eye. It's all about Christ, young people, right? You're studying so much about Christ, and I hope that that is seeping right into you so that you can behave like Christ, so that that Christ-likeness will be transported out there and be shown out to other young people of your generation so that you can, they can say and they can see the difference between you and them. Unfortunately, for many believers and Christians, that's not happening. We are not Christ-like as we ought to be, and that in spite of the resurrection. Sad, but true. We have become so complacent, uninvolved, and we don't know it. Right? That's the problem. You know, people are just going about, doing all of their things, and you know what Nate said? There are so many things happening. Uh, the young people are so, so uh, bombarded with many things. And he said, it's time for us to stop and, and see what's really important, right? And that's a very good objective, by the way, Nate. But you know what I'm saying? You know, it's not going to take a weekend to fix that. Because the trends are so overwhelming. The Christian that is before you Worse, the people you're looking up to, as example, have become also complacent and uninvolved. And the sad, is, the sad fact is, we don't know it. And that's why I'm taking this time, risking my, my popularity. <laughs> I, I don't mind being hated for pointing it to you, but it's the reality that many Christians do not know. We are so consumed in pursuing our worldly, selfish agendas like everyone else. Sure, you go to church. Sure, you have Bible study. But hey, you're like everyone else, given the chance. 
Seriously? Given a choice between this and that? Oh, you'd think twice. Especially if what is before you is so alluringly nice. We don't step out of our comfort zone anymore. We are just blending in. And you know, there is a clash of kingdoms, as a matter of fact, today. The kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. Mike? You know, unfortunately, it looks like the offers of the world are so attractive compared to the offers of Christianity. Diba? You know, it's very simple. The offers of Christianity is like this. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You know, if you're poor, this world will laugh at you. <laughs> Losers, okay? The world will teach you to become what? Rich! You know? What is the offer of Christ? What is the offer of the kingdom? Forgive those who offend you and love your enemies. No way! The world... Eliminate your enemies, kill them, destroy them. Uh, here you are, here you are, a Christian. The offer of the kingdom is right here before you. It doesn't look good. Because the offer of the world is just so good. Right? That's what you call the clash of the kingdoms. And Christian, you're right in the middle of it. And the normal Christian prefers, more often than not, the offers of the world. And so blends into the world and because of that, there seems to be no difference now between the Christian and the non-Christian. Uh, why will I become, why will I want to become like you? We're the same. You know, you work, you're busy, you curse sometimes, you know, you get angry, your temper is there, you know, and you're asking me to become a Christian? Oh, come on. There's no difference. Besides, your church gets your money. My church? No church. My money stays with me. Why will, you, why will people want to become Christians if all they see is the same? Like I said, please, I'm not talking to you people. I'm talking to Christianity in general. Bato-bato sa langit, tamaan, wag magagalit. Pag tinamaan ka, eh, baka para sa'yo, okay? <clears throat> According to Billy Graham, the Christian should stand out like a sparkling diamond. Right? Wow. Christians, according to Billy Graham, should stand out like a sparkling diamond. Seriously, there is a tug of war happening. A tug of war between Christians, Satan, and the world and self. Who do you think is winning based on the numbers? Come on, guys. Who do you think is winning based on the numbers? Louder, please. World. You know, in, in CCF, maybe we're still stronger. But if we're not... <laughs> who, who said that? Satan. Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 can use, we can use laughter because this is a serious subject matter. Wow, this is hard, guys. There is a tug of war, and based, based on the facts, Hill, we're losing. And the sooner we call it as it is, the better off we are, especially in warning our young people of what's ahead of them. 
young people, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we will not be here. I hope that 20 years from now, you guys are standing here in this pulpit together with many, many more Christians like you because you understood what you're facing today and you're going to be doing something. You're not going to be the problem, but you're going to be the solution. Here's the problem. The problem is this. The Christian looks more like the world than Christ. That's the problem. Thank you for saying true. It's true. We are so overpowered by the enemy, Satan, the world, and our sinful nature, aren't we? You know, we already have a very powerful enemy. Worse, we have a sinful nature that keeps coming back. Right? Our sinful nature is so strong that one, one uh, uh, show of uh, temptation, we fall. Well, that's not CCF, excuse me. That's for the other Christians out there. I will hear again, no, okay? The appeal of the world versus the eternal kingdom is greater indeed. We the Christians are not putting up a fight to look different like Christ. I want to show a graphic picture of what we ought to be doing. You know, and the picture looks like this. It's like a frog who is slipping out of a boiling water. That's what I want us to be. You know, we should not, the, the world is like a boiling water. And, and if we're not careful, you know, if we're not aware that it's boiling, you will never get out of it. But if you know it's boiling, the moment you touch it, like a frog, it will go out. But, you know, there is also another picture which shows that the frog becomes comfortable in a lukewarm water. You know, just put the frog in a lukewarm water, the frog will stay. And then slowly elevate the fire. Sooner or later, it will be boiling and the frog will never know what's happening. And folks, that is exactly what's happening to us Christians today. We are like that frog. It's lukewarm, we're very comfortable, but our enemy is putting up the fire. And we, sooner or later, we, we don't know that it's boiling and then you're cooked. What happens to you if you're cooked? Ulam. Ulam tayo ni Satan. Okay, ang tawag doon. Okay? And I'd rather tell you that because if you're not aware, that's exactly what's happening to the Christians today. You know, there was this man who called the pastor's office of a church one day to inquire into a membership of the church. He talked to the pastor. He said, hey, pastor, um, I want to talk to you because I will not be able to get involved or anything in your church, but I just think it is important to have some religious affiliation. So, can I be part of your church? Okay, he said. Remember, I, I cannot get involved because I'm so busy. But I just feel good about being affiliated in your church. Pastor said, oh, you know, you know what? Um, I, you know, the church that I'm pastoring in might not be the best fit for you. But I know of this church, he said. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you the address, okay? Uh, here's the address. So the man took the address, and he forgot. He said, hey, what's the number so that I can call them? Okay, no, just, just go to the address, he said. Okay, so this man, on that Sunday morning, went to the address of the church. And this is what he saw. 
a dilapidated church for sale. Okay? So, he called this, this pastor again. He said, Pastor, you know, uh, uh, this, this place is closed. I asked for a direction and this place looks dilapidated. You know, and I don't think this is the place. And you know what the pastor said? No, it is. It is the place. That church has a membership role filled with people who did not want to get involved or committed. That is what will always happen to church whose members do not care about its success. Ouch. Again, that's not CCF. Right? If we're not careful, we might be too comfortable doing what we're doing, and pretty soon, this church is gone. Poor witness of Christian is the problem as evidenced by research. You know why people don't like to become Christians, Leilin? Because they see poor witness when they look at the Christians. But when they look at CCF, they want to become part of CCF. Why? Because CCFers are sparkling Christ-like people. Say, say amen naman, okay? See, but you see, we're so few. Can you imagine? How many are we here? We're not even 200, right? Can we commit to double and triple our numbers so that the army of God who will have a great witness about Christianity will increase, George? Right? So when you're asked to preach, will you preach? You know, the leaders here, when you ask them, when are you going to preach? That's not my calling, Pastor. I don't think it's for me. Come on, guys. When are you going to make disciples? Oh, time will come. You know, maybe 20 years from now. Come on, guys. There's too much problem out there. Our witness is so bad, we need to do something, is what I'm saying. And we have to make a difference already. To say that the Christian witness today is lackluster and unattractive is an understatement. It's an understatement. Why are the young people walking away? You know, I know of a church whose members are so old already. And when you ask them, where are the young people? They're all gone. Where are the young people going? Like I said, half of them no longer go to church. Half of them transfer to another church. Why? Post-Christianity. Because there is lackluster in the wisdom. But what is the root of the problem? I will go to the root of the problem now. The root of the problem is this. We love the world so much and so comfortable with it to not grow in Christ-like maturity. We are so comfortable where we are, sooner or later we just go to church, go to church, go to church. We have to grow in Christ-like maturity, whether we like it or not, for us to be able to become. We need to wake up. We need to be reminded of who we are, our purpose, and the vision for our God. So, let me give you the title again. That was just the introduction, okay? <laughs> Christian, beware. Are you the problem or are you the solution? Your choice. Proverbs 29.18, where there is no vision, the people perish. It's time for us to wake up. Where are we headed? 
What is God's plan for us? Is there a purpose for which God saved us, by the way? Is there a purpose for which Jesus resurrected? Is there a reason why you have to, to appropriate that resurrection power so that you can make a difference in this world? The answer is yes. He gave us a vision. And when we no longer see that vision, the Bible is saying the people will perish. And that's exactly what's happening today. Right? The Christian, the Christian, the Christian faith is about to perish. The numbers indicate so. But we're still here. We're alive. We're going to church. You know, we feel good. We have a pastor preaching to us every Sunday. No, but, but guys, we're diminishing. There's something that we need to do. We need to have a vision. And in the message, I like it. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Whoa, that's what's happening to the Christians today. We are stumbling all over ourselves. Again, CCF may be the exception. But for many Christians out there, they have no idea what's going on. You know, you probably belong to a church before, and the reason why you're here is because you didn't see what was going on. People are stumbling all over the place. They don't know what they're doing. I was just talking to a pastor last week, and, and he said, you know, thanks for sharing me what you shared with me. I never understood. I went to a conference of my, of my denomination, and I could not understand. There's no longer any clear vision. They just want us to plant church, plant church, plant church, plant church. You know, that's not what it is, he said. And then he came to me, Pastor, is there a way that we can affiliate with you? Oh, I said, why us? Because I think your disciple making makes sense. I said, you know, I can consider, we can consider, but it will cost you, I told him. Okay? <laughs> it will cost you, you yourself, dying to yourself and becoming like Christ. And then he paused. And I wonder how he will take it. The pastors of our churches today are so also engrossed in what they're doing and they no longer know what they're supposed to be doing. Can preaching alone make disciples, guys? No. I, I, was just, I was just floored, you know. I, I do discipleship every day, almost, okay, intentionally. And there are couples that I'm discipling here and I asked them, uh, do you recall the message last Sunday? It was only a Wednesday, okay? Ano nga ba yung message? Teka, teka, teka. Wednesday pa lang ito? Resurrection Sunday? Nakalimutan mo? You think it was intentional on the part of those people? No! They mean well. Every time you come to church and you listen to a message, you're so engrossed, you're so, you're so filled up, you want to do something. But the moment you step out of there, boom, click, something happens. The world out there is just so powerful, it dulls you. You don't even remember last Sunday's message, for crying out loud. So I'm, it's my conviction as a pastor now is preaching will not make disciples. You can preach all you want every Sunday, but it will not make disciples. They don't even remember your message three days after. How can they become disciples? Wow, I told myself, there is something really wrong. Christian, beware. Don't be the problem. Be the solution, please. You can choose to be the problem. How? Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't change. You know, uh, I play golf, and there is this statement in golf, Alvin, 
It says, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're moving backwards. In other words, guys, if we keep doing what we're doing and we expect new results, nothing is going to happen. We have to start addressing what we need to do and be the solution. Ephesians 5, 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the days because the days are evil. So making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. My question to you is this. Based on the numbers, have the Christians been wise or generally foolish? I believe so. Have they been making the most of their time or not? I, I don't think so. The days are evil. Very true. The days are overcoming every believer that I know today. So what's the solution? Understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, Romans 12, 1-2, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see? Then there's the promise. So that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. The problem is, we take it differently. The world out there is more perfect, acceptable, and good. Because we don't take time to really appreciate what we have, the greatness of what we have which is the Holy Spirit, the Christ in us. Uh, I'll answer you later. Uh, I'm still busy. Tell them that. Okay. You know what's God's will for us? Die to live. Remember the message last Sunday? Oh, by the way, this was the message last Sunday. <laughs> Die to live. This is God's will for us. Pastor Insong pounded this on us. Die to live. Die to live. What does that mean? You know, if you die, you live. But if you live and you don't grow <laughs> and mature, you will not be fruitful. You may be alive today, sitting, because you have Christ in you and you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. But my question is this. Are you growing? Are you maturing? And are you fruitful? Grow and mature in Christ-likeness to look like Christ. God's will for you. I will run through this quickly. Right? Romans 6.11 Even so, Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Pastor in Song showed this last week. God's will for you in Christ, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Ephesians 2, 8, 2, 8 to 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, who prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You see the word walk? That's living. That's practice. If we walk with a lot of good works that we are doing, then we can make an impact out there and we will not look like the world, like the rest of the world. God's will for us. Verse 24, John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. We know God's will. But are we pursuing God's will? Are we dying to sin and living to God? Again, don't be the problem. Be the solution. Die to live. Die to live. Die to your old self. Live to God. Contrast. Do you see the contrast? Die to sin. Live to righteousness. Guys, the best way to die to live is to make disciples. You know, my wife and I have been involved in discipling leaders in North America. And I've never developed this conviction ever. I don't care if I don't preach, because I now believe that preaching does not make disciples, honestly. I would rather spend the rest of our lives making disciples. And for the last one year and five months, God has showed to me and my wife how critical, how principally important it is. It is the only way that we can make the people die to sin and live to God. It's so hard, guys. Practicing, being Christ-like, is it easy, Joe? Oh, no. It takes a lot of effort. And, you know, we discovered that the best way for you to become Christ-like yourself is to teach someone to become Christ-like. You understand what I'm saying? Unless you commit yourself to teach someone to be Christ-like, you will never bother to become Christ-like. You know why? You don't care. Nobody's looking. But the moment I tell Pastor Reggie and his wife, Pastor, you need to grow in Christ-likeness. You do this and you do that. Pastor Romani, you keep telling me to do that. You're not doing it. What right do I have, right? But you know, every time we say something that people will do, the first people who will be hit will be us. And that's why I understood that the best way to live, meaning to God, to righteousness, hey, I sound like a broken record. This is not a mistake. This is not a mistake. This is not an ornament. It's here for us to see that the only way that we can make a difference and impact the world out there is to make disciples. Because making disciples is clearly commanded. It's called the Great Commission. And this part is the one that hit me. Teaching them to obey, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm so excited about this. It's consuming me. And I have seen the presence of God. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. As your pastor, as part of CCFLA, God has been moving me to help other churches. And you know, because of this disciple making that we have done, we have seen the birth of many movements, okay? Right before my eyes, in six months' time, there was CCF Vancouver, CCF Toronto, and CCF Maui. Can you believe that? Guys, I'm going there. 
Sorry. I mean, no, I'm just kidding, okay? But the fact that I'm saying is God, with no resources, showed before me that you can expand the movement and do something so long as you make disciples because my presence is enough. For so long as you're not making disciples, for so long as you're not teaching someone to obey all, you are not growing. You're not going to grow in Christ-likeness. You know what I discovered? The only way to grow to be like Christ is to make disciples as Christ commands. Why? Teaching the believer to obey all is the key to grow, to growth, to grow and mature in Christ-likeness. And I would like to share with you what Christ-likeness is. I've shared this over and over again. And I am not going to get tired showing this to you because until, okay, until you understand this, you will never, never grow in Christ-likeness yourself. Be the solution. Be like Christ. But before you can be like Christ, you have to know what Christ-likeness looks like. And I want us to read this, Philippians 2, 3 to 8. Some of you have memorized this, but I'd like us to read this. Do nothing... Merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Verse 5, have this attitude in yourself. Guys, I don't know with you, but can you imagine if all of us all of us will behave like this. I'm serious. You know, my wife and I have been reciting Philippians 2, 3 to 8 every day. I recite it in the morning, and I recite it before I sleep. You know why? Because we have to internalize this. We have to cultivate it. Just imagine. Imagine if all of us are not merely looking for our own personal interests but for the interest of others. Will, will, will this world become a better place, you think, Denise? Adrian? Your, your wife will love it. Because, Adrian, you will only look for the interest of Doki all the time. You know, if you're in the office, your mindset is different. Can you imagine what kind of world of Christianity we're going to create if all of us will look for the interests of other people more than ourselves? And that is being Christ-like in all its simplicity. Young people, you know, try practicing this. If your mom tells you to do this and do that, study, clean, etc., etc., if you say, I'm Christ-like, I'm part of CCF Youth, and I am going to do this. I'm not going to merely look out for my own personal interest, but for the interest of my parents. Believe me, it's easy for you to obey. Yes or no? Amen. Wow, the parents say, Amen! <laughs> you see, it's so foundational and it's so basic, yet we miss it. You know why we miss it? We know it, but we don't practice it. You know why we don't practice it? We're not teaching people to obey and do the same thing. Now you're getting it. 
You know why I'm so passionate? Because Grace and I have been growing. Not like this, but, you know. In fact, I was shrinking. Okay. We, we've been growing spiritually. You know, you can ask my wife. I'm not, I'm not the perfect person. But I can assure you, I think I've become more like Christ. Because I regard other people as more important than me now. I struggle. But it's better to be, to be, to be aware of it than not be aware of it at all, right? I struggle. And guys, this is the picture that Pastor Song gave us. Die, that seed will bloom. Unless that seed dies, it will not grow. It will not bloom, right? You see, if that seed pops out and crops, you know, and becomes alive, if that seed, if that, that sprout will not grow and mature, it's not going to bear fruit, right? It's the, same, it's the same for all of us. We are born-again Christians. We have Christ in our hearts because we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to forgive us all of our sins so that we can go to heaven. But is that it? No. You still have to live. Folks, young people, you have a world ahead of you. You're so young, you have 50 years ahead of you. What are you going to do in between? Grow. Mature. Bear fruit. And when you mature and bear fruit, discipleship is the key. Because discipleship is helping believers grow in Christ-like maturity to bear much fruit. And when you start doing that to other people, you know, I'm addressing the young people right now because Nate, Sean, and Monica, and uh, where is uh, Jonah, okay? These are, these are the leaders now. Uh, I think, uh, DJ, you're also, where's DJ? There you go, okay? You know, you guys, you guys are doing a good job, okay? Seriously, because you are teaching people. And those of you that I did not mention, I'm sorry, but I know you're doing that. Those of you who are teaching, look at me. Those of you who are teaching, look at me. Aren't you the guys who are growing more? Aren't you the guys who are benefiting from it? Seriously. You know, since you started teaching, since you started handling a person, you became a better person than you are before. That's the secret. Discipleship is what will make you grow. And if you don't make disciples, please, I'm sorry. You're shortchanging yourself. But then you ask, hey, pastor, I don't have anyone to disciple. Because God has not been sending me. Unlike the young people, they're gathered together. I have, I have there. I can go there. But what if, I, what if I'm married and I don't have anyone? You're married? Okay. If you're the husband, Alex, you disciple your wife. Right? Alex? <laughs> so many Alex, okay. If you're married and you say that you don't have a disciple, here's my, 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 my command to you. Sorry, my, my behest to you. Make disciples. Make your wife your disciple. Okay. And wife, wife, if you think you're a discipler, you're not. I beg you, let your husbands take the leadership role and help them be the model of selfless humility and Christ-likeness at home. Mike, are you discipling her? Paula, give her a chance to disciple you. Joy, <laughs> look at them, they're going. See, you have no excuse. Oh, telepono. You have no excuse. Guys, like I said, 
I'm a living testimony. I will not talk like this if I have not experienced the goodness and the presence of God. You can ask my children, I'm not a perfect father, but from who I was before to who I am now, I can assure you that I changed because I am teaching other people to grow in Christ-likeness. And you young people, for you, for you to impact the world before you, I really request you, grow mature, and then teach someone like you to become Christ-like. That way, God will bless you with his presence. Discipleship is helping the believer grow in Christ-likeness to bear much fruit. So I'd like to end by saying that God hopefully will bless us with his abiding presence when we make disciples, to sparkle like Christ, to attract others to, to Christ, thereby reversing the negative trends of Christianity. Christianity is faltering. Christianity is dying. We are the people that Christianity is depending upon. And the only way that that can happen is if we obey the Great Commission to make disciples so that we can become Christ-like ourselves, selfless and humble, attracting the world, attracting the family members whom we are losing to the world. Let's pray. Father, forgive me, Father, for being offensive today because, Lord, really your word is offensive enough and I don't have to add anything to it. Lord, our deepest prayer and desire is that you will speak to each and every one of us here to really be aware, be aware and beware that oftentimes, Lord, we are the problem because we don't live out the Christian life, the Christ-likeness that we're supposed to be to the people around us. But now that we realize that, Father, now that we see that there is danger lurking all over us, I pray that indeed we will make a resolve to be the solution. And that solution, Lord, is actually so, so simple in its statement. Just be like you. Mature in you. Form the Christ that we know in our lives and in ourselves. Because Jesus, you're all that we need. You're all that we will ever need to have victory in this Christian life. But a lot of times, Lord, we, we don't know. We ourselves are overwhelmed and overcome by the world. And I just want to thank you for this morning for making us realize and understand the obvious, again, that's staring us right in the face. You've given us the Great Commission, and yet, yet we... We ignore it. And I pray, Lord, that that is going to be the end of that mindless attention to the Great Commission. And beginning today, by the power of your Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you will give us a vision of the future. Lord, make us see our children. If we don't do anything, to become examples of Christ-likeness ourselves, our children will perish. 
Lord, make that so real in ourselves that we will not be comfortable where we are. And to the young people today, you know who you are. Be aware that while you are in this beautiful place called America, while you have everything good, the things of the world are, are in your hands and in your, in your reach. Be aware that this very same thing can destroy you and can cause you to be smug and complacent. And eventually, you yourself can become part of it, rendering you ineffective and powerless and witnessless. Father, I pray for our young people, young adults, young professionals, even young couples who have just get, gotten married and are starting their families. Lord, I pray. I pray for them, Lord. We pray for them with all of our hearts that the husbands will disciple their wives and that the mother will disciple their children. And Lord, I pray that as we obey this with all of our heart, Lord, I pray, we pray that you will bless us with your presence. You will bless us with a life that will so stand out that the world out there will see the difference, that the Christian is blessed. We are blessed by your presence. And when we are blessed and when we are walking with you, we can overcome the world instead of the world overcoming us. This is our prayer, dear God. And this is the prayer for all of us in CCF who will commit to make disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.